1: Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. And this is Mary Kay Cabot. And this is our Orange and Brown Talk podcast, sponsored by Sibling Revelry Brewing. Uh, They have been a sponsor for us for pretty much all of this season so far. And you can head over to their tap room in in Westlake and check them out. Uh, And head over to their website as well and check out some of their upcoming events and tastings. So thanks to them for sponsoring us. Mary Kay, the Browns, 26-23 losers in overtime in Tampa against the Buccaneers uh, and, and this loss is this is probably one of the toughest losses for this team in a series of tough losses this year because instead of sitting at 500 maybe salvaging something before you head into this really difficult stretch you lost this game you're 2-4-1 and one, and things have the potential maybe to start coming apart a little bit
0: Yeah, you know what, they've got a a tough stretch coming up with going on the road, or staying on the road, I should say, and going to Pittsburgh next, and then coming home and facing the Kansas City Chiefs. This was a game they really needed to win, and they almost did win it, if not for a 59-yard field goal by the Tampa Bay Bucks, a guy who had uh, missed a 40-yarder and an extra point earlier in the game. Uh, they they should have won this game. They had four defensive takeaways, including an interception by Jamie Collins uh, in the overtime period. I mean, the defense just com- kept coming up and coming back and giving the offense the ball back, and they just couldn't do enough with it. I mean, it's it's it is getting kind of ridiculous, and you know we'll we'll really get into this, but you know Hugh Jackson afterwards. Uh, let it be known that he is not going to stand for this offensive performance anymore. He's done. He's going to dive in. He's going to do whatever it takes for him to fix this offense. And he did not rule out taking the play calling back from Todd Haley.
1: It's it's, going to be interesting to see what he does. And really, to me, this game gets summed up by what happened in overtime. Your offense comes out, you start with the ball, you go three and out. There was a penalty on the first play of overtime, a holding on Desmond Harrison. and, And that was a big part of this game as well. So then your defense comes back on the next series. They get an interception. Uh, so you get the ball back at the Bucs' 45-yard line. So that's that's potential to get into field goal range and win the football game. You go three and out. Uh, and then your defense stops again, a three and out. So Tampa punts. Jabril Peppers feels it, trying to make a play, fumbles the football. It goes back to Tampa Bay. You know, look, a 59-yard field goal to win this by, by that kicker who was having the day he was having is a little ridiculous. It surprised a lot of Browns players. It certainly surprised Demarius Randle, who who I talked to after the game. Um, but the bottom line, you give a team enough chances, and you don't take advantage of yours, they're going to do something crazy like hit a 59-yard field goal to win the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And, and you cannot go three and out on your two overtime Possessions. I mean, they got the ball first. And, yes, it does not help to get a holding call by Desmond Harrison on that very first play. It put you, I don't know what the statistics are of trying to overcome holding calls uh, on a drive, but I don't think they're very good. And, um, you know, so that's a horrible way to start. When you have the ball first against this defense, I mean, this is a defense that, you know, that you can – score on, that you can move against and make some yards on, and you know to start out that way is really unacceptable. But I'll tell you what, when I look at this offense, they just don't have what they need. They don't have the weapons that they need, and again, they're probably not using their weapons properly. I mean, they had 15 targets to Jarvis Landry. That's too much. He was so beat up after the game that he couldn't even use his left arm to put his shirt on. So hopefully he'll be okay. He said he would be okay for next week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But uh, the next highest amount of targets went to tight end David Njoku. When you look at the receivers, okay, combined catches of the entire receiving core was five. Five catches. That's Damian Ratley, three. Antonio Callaway, one. Brashard Perriman, one. That is unacceptable. That's never, ever, ever going to cut it. I mean, what a great performance, though, by by Jarvis. He really stepped up. Uh, You know, I had called for him to step up as a leader on and off the field, and he really did that. I thought he really, for the most part, left everything out there, made tough plays, went up high to catch a pass one time and sacrificed his body uh, to do that, but came down with the ball, uh, caught the great touchdown, and uh, it's just not enough. There are receivers to be had out there now. Maybe none of them are very good, but they, ha- you know, in terms of getting, you know, coming in here and actually making a huge impact at this, uh, at this point in the season, you know, maybe it's just not going to happen. But they have to try. They have to do something. They can't leave Baker Mayfield out there uh, with not enough weapons around him. They can't do this to Jarvis. Something's got to give.
1: Yeah. So you were down sixteen to two at halftime. Uh, The Browns had 74 yards of offense in the first half. This is a Tampa Bay defense that has given up 440 yards a game. And the Browns had 74 yards at halftime and scored two points. Um, You know, you can't, you you just can't win games like this. And, And the bottom line is you're going up against some bad defenses coming up. You know, Pittsburgh's not great. Kansas City's awful. Atlanta's awful defensively. But those are offenses that, as good as Tampa's offense is, we saw some of the inconsistencies. These other offenses, they're going to be able to take, a, they're going to be able to take advantage of this offense struggling more than I think Tampa was because Tampa helped Cleveland stay in this game, turn the ball over four times. Credit to this defense for using the turnover to stay in the game. Uh, but you know, you, you got to face a guy like Patrick Mahomes coming up. You got to face Matt Ryan coming up. This offense is going to have to step up and help this defense out a little bit.
0: Yeah, and that, that's so true. Like you said, of the four defensive takeaways, they only managed points on one of them, okay? That's not enough. There is a statistic out there somewhere where they're like last in the league in converting takeaways. We'd have to find that for you. I don't have it off the top of my head, but the amount of points that they're getting off of takeaways is an embarrassment. And then what happens? Uh, Jabril Peppers fumbles on the punt return in overtime he took full blame for this loss he said it doesn't matter what happened before during or after this game was about him fumbling on that punt return and of course nobody means to do it he was trying to make a play and uh you know he returned it for 14 yards before having it stripped and the Bucks went out, and they converted. Now, it took a 59-yard field goal because the defense came up big after that. Once again, Miles Garrett had a 12-yard sack, and then Larry Ogunjobi and Ogba combined for a sack. You would think at that point, at that point, uh, that they would have gotten the ball back and that the Browns would have another chance. But then they went on third down and gave up a 14-yard pass to Deshaun Jackson, and that was just enough to get him in position for a 59-yard field goal attempt on 4th and 15. Nobody thought he was going to make that 59-yard field goal. I mean, that was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it is, it's is—it's a very unfortunate way for the Browns to lose this game. And like you said, how are they going to keep pace with really good offenses with what they have? There are changes coming. I don't know if he's going to take the play calling over. I don't know if he's going to go that far but if he doesn't go that far and and I don't know I mean where do you go from there after you say what he said after the game I mean do you not take it over after that how I mean what yes. how else do you fix the offense and dive in with your feet and hands and everything else that you're diving in with if you're not taking over the play call
1: yeah, I, I mean that's a that's a big step right and and that's a step that kind of based on what we've what we've kind of learned about Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley if you step in and take away that play calling uh that really creates a lot of tension I would think in that building it would be a huge huge step for I mean there's no going back from that no. and, and honestly at that point you wonder if you even keep Todd Haley right well, I mean yeah. would, would you because if you if you were to take the play calling away from him why, why even keep him at that point? Why, why invite that tension?
0: Well, it, it's going to be very interesting. We asked him about the tension that could be created from this, and uh, Hugh Jackson said, you know, this isn't about head, head-butting. I'm the head coach of this football team, and I'll do whatever it takes. I'm going to get involved in this offense. And I don't know, just the way he was talking to me, it just doesn't seem like, what are you going to do, stand there on the sideline and whisper things in his ear? <laughs> I mean, that's not going to cut it. And ironically, this is happening at a time when they're heading into Pittsburgh. Where Todd Haley was the offensive coordinator for the last six years, then they're playing Kansas City, where he used to be the head coach. So the the timing is a little ironic on some of this, but you know I I can't you know I'm sitting here racking my brains to try to figure out how do you take over or dive in and do all of these things that you're saying that you're going to do without calling the plays. I don't know how I don't know how you do it, and so we'll have to see where this is going because. I don't know I, I, I just think it could be a drastic move like we're, that
1: we're gonna find out soon obviously I mean we'll know before we'll know before Wednesday when, when this team comes back to um, really start getting ready for the Steelers uh, we'll, we'll know what happens there um, looking at some other things here you know obviously this is a team that has lost has played four overtime games um, you know let, let's talk about the receiving core actually let, let's go down that road yeah um, because that's been a big area you got into it a little bit. Um what can they do? Can can you trade for a guy or I don't know who you could sign. I mean you've already signed the likes of Brashad Perriman. You know, Des Bryant is out there. Obviously nobody wants to sign Des Bryant right now um is is there a realistic way for this team to boost its receiving core outside of Richard Higgins getting healthy that could actually help them
0: you know what I you know I don't know but I think that John Dorsey really has to look into it and work the phones we saw a report before the game that the Broncos Broncos were willing to trade Demarius Thomas so you got to look into that you got to look into Amari Cooper from Oakland uh, you should look into Devontae Parker uh, from the Dolphins there's other Guys like that out there that, you know, I don't even know who could possibly be available. But they have to find somebody or a couple people that are somewhat significant. The minute they traded Josh Gordon, the caliber of this wide receiving core went way, way down. And they just don't have that number one guy. And, you know, I mean, like you said, they brought in Brashard Perriman, but if he was the answer and maybe he'll get better down the road, you know. Then why would the Ravens have given up on him, and why would the Washington Redskins have cut him four days after they brought him in? So I don't know if he's the answer or not. Um, things should get a little bit better when Rashard Higgins gets back. And, you know, we end up talking about, you know, Richard like he's like they lost their four-time Pro Bowl receiver or something like that. But he was solid, and he was consistent, and he was a really good target for Baker Mayfield. So help will be on the way when he comes back, but I don't even think that's enough. I mean, again, it will help a lot to have him out there, but they need to add another guy or two somehow.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know... You could look at it and say, well, you know, this team's not going to make the playoffs. This team's not going to, you know, win a bunch of games. So why bother giving up some sort of draft asset to get a receiver or something like that? But honestly, you got to do it to help your rookie quarterback. You know, that, that's part of the long-term thinking, too. Even if you gave up, you know, again, I wouldn't give up a ton for Amari Cooper. I don't know what a guy like Demarius Thomas would cost. Um, but even if you had to give up some kind of asset to get a receiver that can just help, ba- help your rookie quarterback... That, that would be huge. You, you've yeah. you've got to do that. You've got to help this guy in, in his development.
0: Well, you know, here are some mistakes that they made uh, heading into the season. Mistake number one, to think that you could count on Josh Gordon, okay? You, you can't. You cannot put all your eggs in Josh Gordon's basket when you're heading into a season. They already knew that Corey Coleman wasn't going to be very good, okay? That they that showed up in the last couple of years. Then, to, to think that Antonio Callaway could step in and be – the answer to Josh Gordon once he was gone, that was a, an overestimation of, of his ability and uh, and his ability to actually, from a maturity standpoint and everything else, to handle that job. I mean, he had one catch today. One catch. It's just the whole receiving core. Do you remember back when Josh Gordon declared it the best receiving court in the NFL? I mean, it, it, it's just it's gone so far south. Since then, it's not even funny.
1: Yeah, so, so they've got to get that figured out, obviously. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do. We'll see how aggressive they want to be as the trade deadline approaches. Um, you know, defensively, it was good to see them bounce back like they did and force the four turnovers, even though they did give up a, a ton of yardage. Uh, but, you know, there's, after this game, got to be a little nervous. Uh, you should have been nervous to begin with. You got to be a little more nervous now going to Pittsburgh, playing Kansas City, playing Atlanta. And you just hate to already talk about, well, maybe your season is lost um, this quickly, this early on. When You know, I know the players were talking playoffs and things like that. I don't think anyone realis- realistically expected that outside of that locker room. But I think you expected this team to be able to play well through November, maybe get into December and make things a little interesting. Uh, and, and right now, there's a chance that this season could start to spiral.
0: Yeah, and it, it is it is unfortunate for Browns fans and for the Browns themselves because uh, things did look so promising, things were going very well. And again, that you know, four overtime games, the the NFL record is five. So obviously, they could have won a significant more amount of games than than they have. Um, and and you hate to see it get away from you like that because then, you know, who knows what happens at that point, and things just start to get ugly. Nobody likes that. So uh, they do have to make some changes coming up.
1: Um, one more thing. Uh, obviously, officiating has been a big topic uh, over this past week. Yeah. The Baker Mayfield hit. Right. Was a, a strange uh, a flag pickup as I've seen, especially in this era where, you know, they're trying to protect quarterbacks. They're trying to make sure that these guys aren't don't lose games to injury uh, these guys can stay on the field. When I saw it in real time, I was shocked they picked up the flag. When I saw replays of it on Twitter, I was even more shocked that they picked up the flag. W- what did you think?
0: Yeah, yes. Very, very shocked, especially because he was into his slide. That makes him, uh, you know, he's giving himself up there, okay? He's giving himself up. He doesn't need to be get hit helmet to helmet. It's, it's a double standard, and uh, the Browns have a really good point here. I just think that was a very bad call, and uh, they were so mad about it afterwards. And I will have something from Jarvis Landry uh, um, really complaining about that. And look, they got 14 penalties in this game. They were, in, in addition to some of the bad calls that they take, they're very undisciplined. Those penalties yeah. for a hundred, they took 114 yards off the field from penalties. 114 yards. I mean, you can't. Do that. That's the difference in winning and losing, right there. In a in a game this tight, that's part of the difference.
1: So the Browns lose uh, in overtime again, twenty six to twenty three in Tampa. Uh, it, it is incredible how, over the last few years, this team has just found all sorts of new ways um, to lose football games, and it is starting to feel like things are going that way, Mary Kay. It's starting to feel like. It, it's turning a little bit, um, and, and we'll see what happens. Uh, if this team can't get can't get their season turned around, it, it seems like we might be going down a road that I think a lot of people expected before the season started.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see, and you know, stay tuned this week because it's going to get really, really interesting to see what happens with this offense.
1: All right, that'll do it for Orange Brown Talk, sponsored by Sibling Revelry Brewing. Thanks to them. Uh, thanks to Mary Kay. Thanks to all of you for listening.